0: Good morning. Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 10, which is on page 968 of the Church Bible, and it's also on the screen up there. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. The disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.
1: Brilliant. Thank you, Jen. Well, good morning everyone. Uh, If I haven't met you before, my name's Andy. Great to have you with us. Great to have some guests, especially here for the dedication. Great to have some other new faces with us. A special welcome to you if you're watching online as well. We do hope that doing that helps you to feel connected and part of the church family here as well. We are going to be unpacking this morning the second of the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. We're taking one week by week. Diving into the depths of what Jesus meant and what we can learn from the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, last week we gave out these. If you weren't here and would like one, I uh, want you to take one from the welcome desk. You can put it in your Bible or on your fridge. Maybe you might want to consider memorizing it as we take week by week thinking about the Beatitudes. I wonder when the last time you cried was. I wonder why you were crying. Perhaps over it was something trivial, perhaps it was over the loss of a loved one or the reminder of the loss of a loved one, perhaps it was over hearing a tragic story, perhaps of someone you know or something on the news, what's going on in Sudan or Ukraine perhaps. Perhaps they were tears of brokenness, what we see in the world around us, conflict, frustration, bullying, illness, broken relationships. Or perhaps it was caused, like Peter, by his own realization that he had messed up. I'm not gonna ask you to share with the people around you when you last cried, but here's a little scale thing. On a scale of naught to 10, naught being I hardly ever cry, 10 being I cry really quite a lot, I wonder where you would put yourself. I think I would probably put myself about a one or a, or a two. But crying can be a good thing. Sorrow can be a source of blessing. We talk about meaning, and when we talk about mourning, we mean to show grief or sorrow. Now, I tend to not cry that often, so much so that my wife likes to kind of capture the moment. It's like, oh, quick, he's cried. Let's try to remember when that was, and should we take a picture? Is that right to do or not? But I don't cry that much but if I think back over recent years, I can think of shedding tears over the love of a lost one in our family. I can think of crying over painfully sad and distressing situations. And I can think of crying in a time when really it was about my own shortcomings. We are going to think about this phrase today. In the second of our series, looking at the Beatitudes, we learn that blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Last week, Ellen introduced us to this series, to the Sermon on the Mount and the radical teaching of Jesus that helps us to understand what it means to live in the upside-down kingdom of God, a kingdom that is full of blessings, but not always in the way we might define blessing, not always blessing in instant happiness or monetary riches that come from reading your Bible, as Rob experienced, or maybe he didn't. or other ways that we might experience them, but blessed in the sense that we know there's a God who is with us, for us, and holds us in his hands. We started by thinking about blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Those who recognise that they are spiritually poor and humble are blessed, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And today, we're thinking about mourning, sorrow, and tears. Cheerful theme, I thought, for a dedication. (laughs) But tears actually is something that maybe young parents might experience quite a lot of in the challenges that, that come. And we do know that Eda has entered into a beautiful yet broken world. And this phrase teaches us what it means to live for Jesus in the broken world that we live in. So what was this phrase all about? And how does it teach us how to live? The way of Jesus. I want us to think about three senses in which we can think about mourning, and three senses in which we can know the comfort that Jesus was promising here. The first one then is a mourning that is linked with repentance. The crowds have been swelling as they came to Jesus, having heard or seen his healing, him setting people free, and teaching. And so Jesus called them to himself. We think that as the disciples were listening in, the crowds were also listening in to this amazing teaching. We know that not just because of some of the research people have done around the place where they think it was, but also if you look in Matthew 7, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, it says this, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Given the context of Jesus bringing this teaching to his disciples, John Stott thinks it's clear he was talking about the sorrow of repentance rather than primarily the sorrow of bereavement. Jesus has begun his ministry by calling people to repent for the kingdom of God is near. You can see that in chapter four and verse 17. And with repentance would come Sorrow. Repentance means to change one's way of thinking, or to do a 180. And when we repent and turn back to God, that can cause sorrow and mourning. I want to suggest for two reasons that are linked to repentance. The first is when we realise what we've done, and we recognise the need to turn back. Think of the story of Peter, in Luke 22, uh, parents, we hope that doing the same input with the children and the youth will help enable you to have some really helpful conversations at home, maybe even around the lunchtime table today. Now, in the groups today, they're going to be thinking about Peter and what happens for him. We see Peter absolutely gutted and weeping bitterly when he realises that he has denied Jesus three times. Well, what? Why the tears? because he realizes what he's done. Luke's gospel tells us, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the cock crows today, you will disown me three times. Peter realized what he'd done and he mourned. He wept. In 2 Corinthians 7, chapter, uh, verse 10, Paul talks about godly sorrow that leads to repentance and James when writing about turning back to God says this grieve mourn wail change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up there is a mourning that comes when we realize our shortcomings when we realize our need to turn back to God God is so kind and loving and is a God who forgives, but sometimes we can take his grace for granted, and what can sometimes be called cheap grace. If you look at the Old Testament, there are many examples of those who, in turning back, show some sign of mourning. Think of David who shed tears, the fasting of Ezra and the ripping of clothes and wearing sackcloth of King Ahab, to name just a few examples. Now, uh, when I was a teenager, I'd been taught a lot about God's forgiveness, what a brilliant thing to learn about and know. And I came up with this theory that because God was so forgiving and that I could turn back to him, then I would do some of my own stuff, kind of go my own way, and then, and then turn back to God a little bit later, right? Because he's going to forgive me. But actually, in discovering... Uh, uh, a truer depth, a real meaning of repentance. I hadn't really repented. I hadn't really turned back to God. And I realised how offensive and ungrateful that was. Real repentance involves a sense of mourning, of being on our knees, turning back to God, realising quite what we've done. So there is a mourning that is linked to repentance. And it's to do with discovering quite what we've done and our need to turn back to God and the second thing that we can think about the mourning link to repentance is for the followers of Jesus like Simon Peter and Andrew and James and John you can read about their calling again in the chapter just before they may well have mourned what they have left behind in saying yes to following Jesus their boats and their livelihoods but also their sense of innocence, sense of having it all together and making it on their own. In following Jesus, they were no longer living just for number one. They were no longer captains of their own ship, CEOs of their own life, but were following Jesus's way and acknowledging their need to turn back to God. This came at a cost to them. There was less security and more sacrifice. Now, following Jesus comes at a cost to us too. The cost, perhaps, of what others think. The cost of how we spend our time and money and energy. Jesus actually says that following him costs it all. Later on in Matthew's gospel, in chapter 16, Jesus says this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me We'll find it. And it is okay to mourn what was, acknowledging the cost of what it means to follow Jesus. The promise is that blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Some of that mourning could be linked with repentance. The second way we can think about it is a mourning that is linked with our broken world. I wonder what the most recent reason you have cried was when we thought about that. Earlier. It could be something personal, it could be what we see. Maybe you've shed a tear over the unjust wars that we see, or the fleeing refugees who've been denied sanctuary, the fact that millions of children are forced into prostitution each year, or the stories about the immense Ofsted pressure that led to a head teacher committing suicide, or stories about NHS workers at the end of themselves because of the pressures they're under. Maybe it's personal hardship that you have been going through. But some of our mourning and our sorrow can be to do with the broken world around us and what we see. We've mentioned some of the ways that we serve through CAP as a church. And recently uh, we were praying uh, with Louise, our CAP debt center manager, and she was sharing a heartbreaking story of a family in desperate need and some of the things going on. And as we prayed, she began to cry. Some of our mourning is linked to our broken world and what we see around us. Blessed are those who mourn like this, who capture the heart of a loving God for his broken world. Jesus himself wept over Jerusalem and God's people cried over their sins and of the world they saw. John Stott says, we too should weep over the evil in our world as did the godly people in biblical times. It's not only the sins of others, however, that should cause us tears, for we have our own sins to weep over as well. So there is a mourning that is linked to our own need to turn to Jesus, and there is a mourning that's linked to our broken world and the brokenness that we see in our world. And thirdly, there is a mourning that is linked with loss. Maybe this was the first sense that you read this verse when you saw it let's firstly acknowledge that in a society that doesn't always do mourning well Jesus says blessed are those who mourn mourning is healthy and needed and is in fact a spiritual thing in John 11 Jesus drew alongside his friends Mary and Martha who were mourning the loss of their brother Lazarus When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell flat at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would have not died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. We read on that Jesus wept. In our mourning over lost ones, Jesus draws alongside us and weeps with us, just as we are called as church family, to weep with those who weep. It is right to celebrate and rejoice with those who rejoice, like we do in a dedication at the gift and celebration of new life, but it's also right to mourn together. Psalm 34 and verse 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, be that due to our own turning to Jesus, due to what we see in our broken world, or due to our own personal loss of those we love. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Well, how shall they, how shall we be comforted? How shall we receive the comfort of Jesus in this beatitude today? Three responses to those three three things. Firstly, comfort through forgiveness. The mourning linked with repentance We can receive comfort by coming back to God. It can be costly, turning back to Jesus, leaving our own ways behind. It can involve a sense of mourning when we realise what we've done. But we can receive the comfort of forgiveness, of restoration, of relationship with God. Returning to Peter, having left his way of life behind and then wept bitterly over his mistakes, the risen Jesus came to him and restores him, and forgives him, giving him the chance three times in John 21 to say that he loves him. The comfort Peter receives is the comfort of forgiveness, the comfort of restoration with relationship with Jesus again. When we have moments when we are distraught by what we've done or haven't done, when we're counting the cost of following Jesus and mourning the things that we have left behind, Let us take comfort in the amazing prize of knowing Jesus and through him of knowing forgiveness with our loving God. Not only does Peter know forgiveness, but also he has a sense of purpose and mission that he's invited into. And so as we mourn, mourning linked with repentance, we can know the comfort of forgiveness with God. The joy that comes from knowing Christ and the purpose that comes from being a follower of Jesus. Secondly, comfort through God making all things new. Those that are mourning linked to our broken world, let us take comfort that God is making all things new. Jesus demonstrated his kingdom in his teaching, in setting people free and healing people. And he promises that one day there will be a new creation, a new heaven and a new earth with no more mourning or suffering or sin. And in the new heaven and new earth, which will follow Jesus's return, there'll be no conflict caused by war, no debt or tension and breakdown in family life. No angst over the decisions of family members or heartbreak over how we're treating our world, other people and the environment. We live in the now and not yet of God's kingdom. And so we can take comfort from this and we seek God's kingdom now, the breaking in of this new creation that began when Jesus came and announced his kingdom. We can take comfort from this eternal hope and the new creation. And like Jesus' followers, we can look to seek the inbreaking of this upside-down kingdom more and more every day. We can seek that, and we can pray that on our front lines, in the situations that we find heartbreaking in front of us. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And we can be comforted with the promise of the new creation. the comfort of resurrection. For those mourning the loss of loved ones, we too can know God's comfort, knowing that Jesus had lost a loved one himself, that he's experienced death himself, so that those who trust in him can know everlasting life. It's good to name that mourning is not the same for everyone, and it goes on a lot longer than after just any funeral or even any one-year anniversary. It's also good to acknowledge and name that together there will be many of us who in one way or another are mourning the loss of loved ones. We've experienced that in our own family in the last couple of years. Mourning is a good and healthy thing to do. Jesus says there is comfort for those who mourn. The story of Lazarus doesn't end with Jesus weeping with Mary and Martha, but with Jesus saying, Lazarus, come out! Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? He asks. Because for those who do, there is comfort. There is comfort for those who trust in Jesus because there is a resurrection. Life eternal in a new body that won't have a heart attack and an incurable disease or won't age in the same way. This is a comfort for those mourning the health that they once had. Perhaps now not able to do quite as much as they used to be able to. This is a comfort as we think about those who are no longer with us. It's hard sometimes to acknowledge that this is a comfort for those who've believed in Jesus, but for those who haven't or we're not sure about, when we mourn, this is not always easy to acknowledge. And in this morning, we need to be real. And we need one another. We can be real before our loving Father God about this. And as we consider the comfort that the resurrection brings for those that believe in Jesus, we're also reminded of the urgency of sharing the good news of Christ's death and resurrection with those that we know. So... Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn linked to repentance, for they shall be comforted with the forgiveness of God and the joy of knowing Jesus. Blessed are those who mourn linked to our broken world, for they should be comforted by God's inbreaking kingdom and the promise of the new creation. And blessed are those who mourn, mourning over the loss of loved ones. For they shall be comforted by the promise of resurrection. Blessed are those who mourn. I'd love to lead us in a moment of prayer. I invite the band to come and join us again. Let's pray together. I'm gonna leave some space in between as we pray. So in the safety of the presence of God today, I wonder, do you need to mourn in one of these ways? Do you need to turn back to God, recognizing like Peter that you've messed up in some way? you need to take a moment to acknowledge the sense of loss that comes with following Jesus as we do that now Lord may we know the comfort of receiving your forgiveness the joy of knowing Jesus Christ risen, alive, living among us Let's take a moment to mourn the brokenness in our world caused by our collective sin. In a moment of quiet, cry out to God for our world and the situations that break your hearts. Lord, in the areas that we have brought before you now, we pray that your kingdom will come in increasing measure. We pray that you use us, your people, to be kingdom bringers. And we take comfort from the promise of the new creation. And Lord, for those of us in our congregation today, mourning the loss of a loved one, May we know the comfort of your presence, the comfort of one another, and the comfort of the resurrection. Amen.